ultimately, what did you think of the film? Um, like I was texting you earlier, I didn't hate it. Good. Um, Hello, everyone. Welcome to All the Film Things. I'm your host, Elizabeth Wilde, and today we are talking about the 1969 film Easy Rider. This episode is kind of an experiment. This is one of my early episodes, episode 9 actually, and as you can see, this episode is much shorter than my previous episodes. In most of these early episodes, I stuck to either 45 minutes or an hour. Unfortunately, the audio quality for this episode wasn't great, but I was able to fix it a little bit. The audio kind of dips in quality in some moments, and there's some unnecessary ambiance interference. I hope this doesn't deter you from enjoying this episode. I will definitely be working on my editing skills so this problem does not happen in the future. I wanted to post this because even though the audio quality isn't as great as some of the previous episodes, the quality of the conversation is worthy to be included on this wide release of all the film things. I think this episode gets better as you go through it. We start off with more trivia and ease our way into the heavier topics surrounding the meaning and significance of the film. It's funny when I listened to this episode back because at the time I had only seen Easy Rider five times. Now I've seen it over ten times and I'd be much better at discussing this film now. I even mentioned why it destroyed his watch early on in the film. He didn't destroy his watch, he just tossed it. <laughs> Luckily, there will be future episodes on Easy Rider, so this makes for a great intro to my future Easy Rider episodes. Alright, enough of me talking. Here is my conversation with one of my closest friends, Caitlin Fitzpatrick, about the 1969 film that launched the new Hollywood movement. Thank you for joining me today. Of course, I'm happy to be here. We've been talking about this episode for like a month, at least. I know. I had this in my calendar forever. There's just a lot to unpack, I feel like. I'm like, oh I, yeah i just finished this movie like 40 minutes ago so <laughs> pretty fresh but my first time watching it and i know you've watched it like what you said four times this one? Oh no 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 i have my 30 day rule i've watched it four times this year this year oh <laughs> of all the films i've watched this year i think this is the one that i've watched the most normally barefoot in the park with jane fonda is number one or 10 things i hate about you but easy rider is number one this year oh wow. This is my year of Peter Fonda. As you know, I watched a bunch of Jane Fonda films 2020, 2021. Last year, I watched a bunch of Henry Fonda. And towards the beginning of the semester in January, we watched Easy Rider. It was the second movie we watched. And I hadn't watched it since I first saw it. I was so excited to watch it again. But the first time I saw it, I had a very different opinion as I do now, which is why your opinion is so interesting to me, because you just watch it for the first time. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe it'll it'll change if I end up watching it again. I don't know. I think so. And especially with all the trivia and film facts that I have listed. And you were saying how it, you had to remind yourself it was from the 60s. Oh, my God. Yeah, I know. I literally paused the movie and I was like, wait, <laughs> back up. There's like one scene, which I'm sure we'll talk about later. It just I don't know. I felt like it was so relevant for like what's happening in the news today. Like, does this connection make sense? Or am I just like going off the deep end here? It does go off the deep end. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But you said you got heated. I got heated. I, I don't know. I was just like, 
Should we get into this right off the bat? Well, do you want me to ease you into it a little bit? With yeah, some questions? Ease, ease okay. me into it. Ease me into it. All right. So ultimately, what did you think of the film? Um, like I was texting you earlier, I didn't hate it. Good. Um, I, yeah, a lot of scenes made me angry. I know that you told me to kind of keep an open mind while I was watching it and like keep my expectations low. Mm-hmm. So I did that, but no, I, I didn't hate it. Okay, good. Part of the easing you in, I'll explain the process, how it has been for me going through this film. I went back into the master movie log and I found out the first time I saw it was November 29th, 2019, which sounds later than I thought it was. I thought I watched it right around the time of his death. Hence why we're doing this episode today, because yesterday was the anniversary of Peter Fonda's death. And he's not talked about as much as he should. When I was doing the research on Jane and Henry, Peter would be talked about in the comments of interviews and such. And everyone's like, he should have had an Oscar. He should have absolutely had an Oscar. He's one of the greatest. And I was like, wow, you know, he's not really talked about that much, but he has, it seems like this low key following. And this is probably his most famous film. The first time I saw it was only because of Jack Nicholson, which were you surprised that he was in it? Yeah, he, he was George, right? <laughs> Oh, yeah. Okay. I'm not good with names and remembering people. Like, mm -hmm. I suck at it. So bear with me. Well, I kind of kept it a little secret for you when that name came up because you've heard me talk about Peter Fonda so much. But yeah, Jack Nicholson has been like one of my original favorites. And that's why I watched it originally because he was in it. I guess at the time I knew Peter Fonda just died. Didn't really know who Dennis Hopper was. So after I watched it with that ending, I was like, what the heck? <laughs> like, mm. I don't understand this. And I kind of just put it away for years and was like, all right, well, I don't get it. And then I didn't watch it till January this year. And I guess having an appreciation for the Fonda family helped and looking out for how similar he was to Henry and Jane. I had a new appreciation for it so much so that it inspired my short film the most out of probably any other film. So some of the editing you might have noticed yes. was similar. Yes. <laughs> I don't know what it's called, but like... Cross-cutting, like the, I think? The glitching back and forth, kind of. Yes, exactly. When it like changed scenes, I did notice that. I've never seen that in any films. Exactly. That's exactly why I did it. Is it just this one? Well, if someone was like, oh, they did it in XXX, that Vin Diesel movie... That kind of made me sad. I thought me and Easy Rider would be the only ones. My teacher, who also loves this film, and Peter Fonda, loved how I did that editing. She said it worked really well in my film. And also the acid trip scene. I kind of did a few similar shots in that. But I watched it in January. And then it came on TV two weeks later. So I watched it again. And then I got it on DVD. I watched it like a month or two ago. This time with headphones. So I could really hear the dialogue because it's kind of hard to hear the dialogue. And that's why I told you to put subtitles on. Yeah, I know the one scene, I would not have known what the girl was talking about. Like the girl in the, I guess it would be like a commune. Oh yeah, the commune scene. Yes. So the one girl, she was just like talking and you like couldn't really hear her because she was like in the background, but like they had the subtitles for what she was saying. I don't even remember what she was talking about. Oh yeah, when Peter's going through looking around. Yeah. Yes, I found out that for the first time in this viewing today, 
what she was talking about, which makes it a little easier to understand what Peter Fonda and Dennis Hopper are talking about a little later. Okay. Today was my fifth time watching it, and uh, I love it even more. So you're open to watching it again? I would watch it again. I'm sure that I'm going to learn more during this conversation that I didn't pick up while I was watching it. So I'd be open to watching it again, for sure. What was your reaction to the ending? I felt like it was kind of ironic in a way, Mm -hmm. especially since like that whole scene with George and how he was talking about freedom and how, you know, don't ever tell somebody that they're not free because then they're going to get real busy killing you to prove that they are. So mm-hmm. I feel like that was kind of ironic. He had that whole conversation and then he dies, like he gets killed. So I don't know. I thought the ending was kind of ironic in that way, but kind of sucked that they couldn't just ride off. They had to get brutally murdered. Mm-hmm. There's a reason for that. And uh, you picked up on a really important scene in that film of that campfire mm-hmm. talking about freedom, because that's one of the biggest scenes, if not maybe the biggest scene in the film for understanding its meaning. I forget the exact quote. I can probably find it here, but it's about what they represent. Mm-hmm. They're not afraid of them. They're afraid of what they represent. They're free in a sense. It's such an interesting year and time. Yeah, because it's kind of transitioning to more business and like capitalistic society towns where it wasn't as much as it was before. It's like the height of the counterculture movement. Yes. More was happening. Mm-hmm. These are getting popular. It was a year of Woodstock. There's a lot happening. That scene that you were talking about, he said, George said that they represent freedom. Yes. And I actually found the quote now. Of course, don't ever tell anybody that you're not free because then you're going to get real busy killing and moment to prove that they are. There's another quote. Dennis Hopper said, what the hell is wrong with freedom? That's what it's all about. I just go by the actors' names. I know they're Wyatt, Billy, and George. but I go by their names in the movie because I'm going to get confused with their real names. I'll stick to the character names. It just will take me a second. (laughs) But that campfire scene is often what people talk about in terms of trying to find its meaning. But there's so many other scenes that are so interesting. The LSD trip scene is so experimental and kind of incredible. Right. There's just a lot going on in that scene. What did you think of that? Were you like, oh my God, what is this? No, I was kind of, honestly, it didn't really shock me much so they got that lsd from the hitchhiker right he gave yes and they were at mardi gras when they took it correct yes okay so they waited until they got there to take it all right i was kind of uh questioned that but i don't know i was still kind of shook after that whole campfire scene like i had to pause it because the mardi gras scene didn't happen too long after that i feel like Was that maybe, I don't know if I could say your favorite scene, but was the most affecting to you? I, oh yeah. I made so many connections to today. I had to take a step back. Like, okay, this movie was from the 60s, 1969. I forgot that it was actually released in 1969 because, I don't know, it's just kind of scary because it kind of shows that society hasn't really moved much. And that was kind of the point of the whole 
counterculture movement at the time. Like that's what they wanted during the 60s and 70s. And it was ironic that George dies the same night that he has this whole conversation about freedom and about how men are going to be scared of you and they're going to start killing you to prove that they're free. It seems like the men who killed them view freedom differently. Like it's two different types of freedom, I feel like. The killers versus how Wyatt, Billy, and George view freedom. So like the people that killed them, they want the type of freedom that allows you to live how you want and dictate how other people live versus Wyatt and Billy, their freedom is the type that allows them to live their life how they want to live it, but like not really judge other people. Meanwhile, they're going on this whole trip across the country and they're being judged by so many types of people and they literally get killed because of how they view freedom. So I feel like the one type of freedom is just they only preach it as long as it aligns with their specific ideals. And you can make so many connections to what's happening in the world today. You said it before, you won't get too political. Oh, yeah. But I don't know. What kind of connections are you trying to make, Kate? I know. I'm trying to say, like, I don't know. And this is just me watching this for, like, the first time. And, like, I don't know if this is just my opinion or if other people who have watched this feel the same way. But it's like, you look at the news today and it's just two opposing sides fighting over who has kind of the correct idea of freedom and it often turns violent and there's no doubts that there's pros and cons to both sides like i'm not saying that wyatt and billy are the perfect people i mean they got their money to go on this trip by buying and selling cocaine and i don't know much about cocaine but i mean that's kind of a hard drug that could potentially (laughs) kill somebody like you could od from that so i don't know it's really interesting like if you look at all the mass shootings that happened in this country where the shooter was able to legally obtain a gun, that's like, okay, they're technically considered free in this country because they can obtain a gun, but then they use that gun to commit mass murder, which is so fucked. So I don't know. I kind of make that connection, but I don't know if that's just me. It's funny that when you were first texting me about your reaction and talking about freedom and comparing it to today, I had a whole class. We talked about this and we watched this film. I don't remember anyone bringing it up. Saying, really? like, I forgot this was from the 60s. Wow. Look at me. <laughs> Look at you. Look at not me. Not even like a major film I'm buff. I'm making... film buff. And I'm over here making these connections. Look at you. Who, who would have thought? Who would have thunk? <laughs> Cue the Paul Rudd meme. I'm trying to think of where I should even start. I have like three, four pages of trivia notes. So the original cut was four hours long. Oh, wow. Yeah. It's only 95, 96 minutes. Mm -hmm. And the film went way over budget because Peter couldn't get Dennis Hopper out of the editing room. (laughs) Wait, so, okay. Peter is Wyatt and Dennis is Billy, correct? Yes, sorry. Wyatt slash Captain America is Peter Fonda. Dennis Hopper is Billy, who is the blonde hair, you know. Cowboy. And then Jack Nicholson. I mean, that's Jack Nicholson. (laughs) That's Mm -hmm. George. Yeah. So before this film, Jack Nicholson was going to quit acting. He wasn't really famous when this film came out. So this film made him famous. It got him his first Oscar nomination and led to one of the best careers, one of the best actors of all time. Wow. So it started here. And Dennis Hopper originally did not want to cast him. 
Huh. I think Peter wanted to cast him and he said it was the best few thousand dollars he ever spent. Maybe a few hundred. I don't know. But this is where Nicholson got his start. So I can't talk about this without the Fonda family connections. So have you seen any Henry Fonda film? I don't think so. I mean, not that I know of. Have you seen 12 Angry Men? No. Okay. So he was rated one of the top 10 best actors of all time. He was the symbol for America. He always did the right thing, but he always stood up for what was right. He was a true American protagonist in film. This film completely changed how filmmaking was done. Before this film, films were made a certain way with censors, with all these rules and restrictions. And films had to have like a big budget to get them released mm-hmm. and have to be backed by a studio. This broke ground. This was financed, I think, just out of their own pockets. Wow. And this film marked pioneering for independent filmmaking. Films with lower budgets don't have as much pressure under big companies. That's why there was nudity in this film, which wasn't really allowed back then. Mm-hmm. So for Henry Fonda to watch it, you know, the star of older Hollywood, classic Hollywood, who has always made films a certain way, his son comes around and makes this film. He was a little confused. <laughs> he didn't really get it the first time he saw it. And even Jane was like, I don't fully get it. But over time, they appreciated it and they realized that this was really good. And this film put a lot of big studios out of business. A lot of people did not like them. So the film was such a low budget that there wasn't really a crew hired. They would ask friends or people who were just passing by to like hold the camera. It's completely would not be done today. Like this does not happen today. That's insane. Um, I know. Which just gives me such encouragement. Like, oh, they can make a film with like almost no help, seemingly, with zero budget. And they came out with this masterpiece. Yeah. So like other films during that time, they weren't like that, correct? It's interesting. The era, it started in 1967. Bonnie and Clyde was another one. That one also pushed boundaries. There's a film that Peter Fonda did that Jack Nicholson wrote and Dennis Hopper starred in called The Trip, which was another 1967 film that pushed the envelope a little bit. Midnight Cowboy was another one. But this film really kind of changed filmmaking. And later on, some big budget studios, I think, would give a few up and coming young filmmakers a million dollars to make a film. A million dollar budget. Peter Fonda was one of them. And he was able to make The Hired Hand, which is a Western, which has developed a cult following. He stars in it and directs it. And it's probably one of my favorite Westerns. I know Westerns aren't really popular anymore. And a lot of people our age aren't really interested in watching them. But that one was different. I really liked that one. Another one was American Graffiti. George Lucas directed it. They would give these young filmmakers a million dollars to do their own film. And then they'd come out with these great results. American Graffiti got excellent reviews and led to a Star Wars career for George Lucas. So it's really incredible how much they accomplished with this film. Most of this was improvised. The only really scripted scenes were with Nicholson, and they were actually often high while filming. All right, I guess that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> it does, but there is one thing. There was no LSD used for the trip scene. And the cocaine in the beginning, that was fake too, I would presume. Or was that real? You know, I don't know. 
Uh-oh. I should check on that. Uh-oh. Um, <laughs> but this was also the first film to really use found music. What did you think of the soundtrack? Oh, I thought it was great. It was Right? Yeah. I loved it. And like combination of the music and the scenes of them driving. So beautiful. The lyrics kind of like made sense to what was kind of going on. Absolutely. It helps you figure out the meaning of the film. Yeah. But Born to Be Wild and all these other songs were released before the film came out. And it was the first time a film used found music, which is previously recorded music, instead of using a score that's actually created for the film. And now, of course, it's used all the time. You know, all these hit songs and films. Right. They started it? Oh, that's actually, that's really interesting. Right? I love that little fun fact. I'm skipping over so much that I could go through, but I'll go through some of the deeper meanings of the film. This film shows the rise and fall of the hippie movement all in one film. I can see that. Which, that's such an interesting concept to think about with this film, because like you see them start their road trip and then they're killed off for being who they are and being yeah, different. Yeah, it's kind of aggressive. Like, it's kind of an aggressive representation, I guess, of the rise and the fall of the hippie movement. Mm-hmm. It's said to be very accurate, honest representation. It's said to... Um, they really went for it. Like, they didn't sugarcoat anything. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, the rise and fall of the hippie movement all in one film, that America is expanding and capitalism is on the increase. And this film portrays a negative image of American expansionist endeavor. Hmm. So growing of capitalism and business and I guess just mainstream society. I don't even know how to describe it. Yeah, it's just there's so many ironic themes. They Mm -hmm. start off buying cocaine from Mexico and selling it to somebody. So that's how they get their funds for this whole trip. So they're doing this illegal drug deal and then they get arrested for being in a parade without a permit. <laughs> like that's what they get arrested. Yes. For. Meanwhile, they're basically smuggling drug money across the country. I don't know. There's so many just like ironic scenes. You know, I didn't even really think about that. Their bikes were in police custody and they weren't caught. No, they literally had drug money. And I don't understand how they kept it in the, what was it, like the gas? Yeah, that's another thing. But maybe we just don't know much about motorcycles. Oh, I guess not. It looked like it was in some kind of tube, but then it was put in a gas tank. And then they were worried about the hitchhiker seeing it when he was filling up the gas tank. Mm -hmm. Isn't he just pouring gas all over the money? Like, it doesn't make any sense to me, but... Yeah, I don't know about that. Whenever I see it, I'm just like, how does that work? Does it not clog the... I I don't know. I don't know. So the big line from the film was, we blew it. Yeah. And that final campfire. Billy's saying, we're rich. We can retire to Florida. But they're 30 and they can already retire. So it's basically saying, you might as well be dead. And there's no place to go but death. I didn't realize that. I was confused by the we blew it. But I guess that means... That's the line that I told you that there's debate about what it means. Mm -hmm. From what I read, 
I read several different opinions on it, but one of them I just read and I was like, that's not it. Like, that's not it at all. But in the end of the song, when the credits are playing and after they are killed, in the lyrics, it says, all he wanted was to be free. And that's how he turned out to be. Because... (laughs) As in, like, he's dead, so he's now free? That's the only way you can be free, basically. Wow. So... You cannot be free living in America. You have to be dead to be truly free. (laughs) That's a dark take on it. They missed their chance. So when he says we blew it, it's meaning they missed their chance for happiness and true freedom. And death is the only way to be truly free. It kind of makes sense, though, because Mm -hmm. like I was saying before, there's two different definitions of freedom in this movie. Mm -hmm. I feel like not everybody in this country at the time and even today, like, we have different definitions of freedom and what it means. But I guess that makes sense. The one way to be ultimately free is to just be dead. Wow, that's really interesting. And that's the line that Peter Fonda has said. He won't explain the meaning behind it. He did this really good interview. It's like seven minutes or something. And he's just on the side of the road. He's with his bike that... um Actually, the bikes that were made for the film, three were stolen. Dang. Yeah, but Peter doesn't think it's had anything to do with people knowing what the film was. It was just taken. It was in a lot somewhere at a film studio or something. Well, that sucks, especially since he didn't have a big budget for this movie to begin with. Yeah, three stolen. Both of Dennis Hopper's or Billy's bikes were stolen. One of Wyatt's bikes were stolen. One was burned. So the one that was burned was able to be restored. And in the interview, he's with this restored bike as if it's from the film. And it was just a few years ago, this interview was. It's this great interview of him talking about behind the scenes and the line, we blew it, and how Dennis Hopper wanted more explanation of that line. But Peter said, no, he wants it filmed this way. And ultimately, Peter was right. If it was explained, there would be no mystery. I guess it's just like... The viewer's own interpretation of what that means and what freedom means for mm-hmm. themselves. Yeah. That's interesting. I was thinking throughout that whole movie, like, oh my God, those bikes look so uncomfortable. Especially <laughs> traveling as far as they did. Like, the handles were up so high and their arms were just, like, straight out. And I'm like, oh my God, that has to be so uncomfortable. Like, my arms would get so tired. Maybe I'm just an idiot, but like... No, 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 no. It looks because so It looks so bad for back pain. It does. There's no support. <laughs> and then the arms like reaching out. Yeah, you'll hurt that, your neck. You'll hurt your shoulders. And it was so high up. It was down. Like you have to hold your arms up. I don't know how they were comfortable with it, but apparently Dennis Hopper wasn't really an experienced rider, but Peter was. One of my favorite... Well, now one of my favorite moments in the film, now that I fully understand it, was, you know, right after they show in the beginning, Wyatt on his bike with the helmet, like you really see the American flag on his bike. And Mm -hmm. you've seen the clip so many times because I've sent it to you. Yeah. So after that, and they're about to ride off and he takes off his watch and Uh it's this cool zoom in and zoom out. And then he says something later in the movie about time. Yes. But I don't remember what it was. He said he was hip about time. And that time didn't really mean anything. He wasn't too strict on time. That's not a big deal. But he destroys the watch because he wants to pursue freedom as time was their only constraint. 
Oh. Yeah. See, I remembered that quote about time, mm-hmm. but I didn't connect it to the watch until you brought that up. That's interesting. Time is an interesting concept for this film. And it's kind of a short timeline. It's only about a week or so. They're trying to get to New Orleans for Mardi Gras. Wow. But I'll explain some of the significance of this film. Peter Fonda is described as a counterculture icon. I guess mainly because of this film, but he had a lot of other really cool, like edgy films. But I got this from Britannica.com. This film was held as a youth anthem for its message of rebellion and its reflections of social tensions in the U.S. in the late 1960s, which is just what you were saying earlier. I would love to have been our age in 1969 watching this film and like what we would think about it back then if we actually lived through that or if we were going to Woodstock. I feel like those people would be the ones loving this film. I feel like you would love it if you were around in 1969 at this age. Yeah, I think so. Do you think you would like it? I'm not sure. I've done so much learning about the 70s in that time period that it's so hard to, like, when people answer the question, what era would you have liked to have lived in? A lot of people say 70s, but it's actually a really violent time. Yeah, it definitely was. Especially in 1969. Earlier, you were saying the violence and deaths and, I mean, the Manson murderers were this summer. This film was released just before then, I think. So it was a really, I don't know, it's just a tough, I would like to think I would, yeah, Vietnam War was going on, a lot of protesting. I don't know, I want to think that I would like it just because I'm such a fan of the Fonda family and I really appreciate all their work. Yeah, it's hard to think like what we would have been like back then. But I'm so curious, aren't you? (laughs) I am. I know about the counterculture movement because I remember in middle school, my music teacher she would always tell us, oh, you guys are so lucky and so blessed because you have the site of Woodstock is literally in your backyards. Woodstock happened in, well, it didn't happen in Woodstock, New York, because they couldn't fit everybody there. But it happened in Bethel, which is like 30 minutes from where I grew up. And that's where like I go to all these concerts today. Like it's at the site. Is it of- really? Yeah. Like when I go I to didn't know that. Bethel. Yeah. Yep. They have like a whole museum there, which I haven't even done the museum. I don't think I've ever been inside that museum, but I would love to do that one day. It's just, I don't know. I just remember her saying that to us. Like, you guys, it's literally in your backyards because it did. It happened really close by, which is so interesting. That's amazing. I didn't know that. Your music teacher sounds so cool. (laughs) Yeah, she was pretty cool. And you had an understanding of counterculture at such a young age. Yeah. Yep. Wow. I love that. So this could be considered a period piece. Okay, so this is a mouthful, but I'll read it slowly because that's how I can digest it. Okay. It reflected a simplistic, though common, perceptions of the day with everything countercultural or mainstream deemed either good or evil, respectively. Which is just what you were saying about the two sides mm-hmm. of freedom and how are White and Billy good or are they bad? Exactly. You explained it in such an easier way to say it. (laughs) Yeah, it's just like two different views on freedom, I guess. And Mm -hmm. there's different cons to each side, I feel like. You'd like to think that Wyatt and Billy are the good guys because, I mean, they didn't kill anybody, but, you know, they're drug dealers. 
earned. They got their money illegally. I can see how the other side would be like, oh, well, they didn't pay taxes on that. Mm-hmm. And that's the society. Yeah. Yep. The society view versus the hippie movement and a more laid back way of life. Yeah. So the diner scene is one of the biggest scenes in the film. They're just sitting there. They're just trying to eat. Yep. They didn't do anything. Yeah. And all these people are just criticizing them, but the girls love them and they're so interested. They're new and it's exciting. And it's, yeah, they're young. Yeah. They get it, but it's the older people who are just judgmental. And I feel like that is kind of what happens today as well. Yes. It's similar, but it's different issues. Almost yeah. like it fits so well. And I think when you mentioned how it feels like it wasn't even made back then, that's the scene that I went to when you said that because just the judgment and even in the beginning, they just want to go to like a second rate motel. They can even yeah. do that. They, they weren't let in. Yeah. Which is insane because I wouldn't even think that they would have had a hard time getting in just because of how long their hair is. Yeah. And it doesn't make any sense. And they were calling them girls. Yeah. That was. Ugh. And then even at the end, they're making fun of Billy. Like, oh, he's long hair, long hair. And uh, then he gets shot. Yeah. Something that I wrote down is they attack what they don't understand. They attack what they don't understand. Yeah, they're different. They're yeah. not like them. So they, yeah. they're afraid of them. And they go after people who are different. That makes sense. Something else that the article said was the people they meet and the situations they are in represent the best and worst aspects of modern American life and reflect upon issues that were particularly popular with youth at the time, such as hippie and commune movement, racism, war, religious tolerance, and drug use. I can see that. Mm-hmm. And um, before I forget, you wrote down some notes as you were watching. What were some of the things you wrote down and had questions about? I did. I've deleted them as we're talking about it because you've basically answered a lot of them. Oh, <laughs> let's see. Oh, I liked how the hitchhiker, when he was like, I think it was Billy, he kept asking him like, oh, where are you from, man? Where are you from, man? But then he mentioned that they're right on top of the people that this place belongs to. I guess he was talking about the Native Americans. Mm-hmm. Basically, the land was stolen from them. That's a great scene that, to mention. That was an interesting scene. And how it didn't matter what city he was from. They're all the same, he's saying. Yeah. And he just seemed like it was like traumatic thinking about the city life and how different the world is. The other night I rewatched Five Easy Pieces, which is from 1970 and Jack Nicholson's in it. And there's talk and criticism about how different the world is becoming with how People are living in this new society and, you know, business and people were just wanting to get away from it in the film. Mm -hmm. It's an interesting film to pair with this one. There are two of the same actors in this film as in Five Easy Pieces. One day I'm going to do like a double feature and watch them both. And they compare the two? Yeah. But this is the first time I've watched them so close together. So I still have it kind of fresh in my mind. Did you have any other things that you especially liked or? Um, I thought like another kind of ironic scene. I guess it's not really ironic. They brought the hitchhiker back and they were all, it looked like they were planting dust into more dust. 
which that was so sad and seeing all those people living in the same house and like they have like barely any food yet they shared the food with these guys i thought that was really sweet so they're just like over here sharing their food they have no crops meanwhile these two guys just bought and sold cocaine in mexico and were Mm -hmm. easily able to travel across the country it just shows the two different sides kind of so you're talking about the commune yeah And then that scene with the farmer, that kind of showed the differences because Wyatt and Billy brought their motorcycle because there was like a problem with the motorcycle and they asked him if they could borrow some tools or something to fix it. And they were in the barn fixing their motorcycles. Meanwhile, this guy's like fixing his horse. So Mm -hmm. that was like the differences there. Like they're traveling across America and they just come across so many different types of people. It's just so interesting. And they were kind to them. They were, yeah. Which I was surprised about. Me too. But I don't know. I feel like that guy was kind of more, oh, what's the word? Not radicalized. Like his wife wasn't white. So I think that maybe he doesn't see the differences. Light bulb moment. Right? It starts out and they're accepting. People are different. They're embracing it. There's no problem. And over time, people are more aggressive. They're more judgmental. And it's the rise and fall of the hippie movement. Yeah. It's like, all right at first, and then it just mm-hmm. becomes downhill. Yeah, that makes sense. The further, <gasps> Caitlin, they- we've had a light bulb moment live on a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my wow. God. Yeah, and it's like the further they get from L.A., like the worst. Mm-hmm. They that was their first stop, right? When they saw that farmer. Yes. Yeah. And they were also in the South, which was generally more strict is not the right term for it in their ways yes yeah and uh did you expect jack nicholson to appear when he did i didn't no because he just kind of pops out about out of nowhere he did and he was just like he said oh i can get you out of here as long as you didn't kill anybody white yeah that's a massive line that is often overlooked with everything else in this film i mean that's also like the height of you know racism in america it's hard to describe a height yeah, that's true, because, I mean, it still exists today. Yeah. But, I mean, the 60s, that was a pretty intense time. Mm-hmm. Don't we have time to get into it, though. It's already, like, 3 o'clock. I told you time would fly. No, I know, and I was so worried about us talking for 45 minutes. Meanwhile, we're over here. We did it for an hour. Time flies when you talk about film. <laughs> Man, there's so much that I've left out and we haven't gotten to talk about. Okay, I'm sure that you'll talk about it during the part two of this. Yes. The film buffs. Bring up our little revelation there. Oh, I will. I had so much fun today talking with you. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. Anytime we can do any topic you want. We've been talking about this ever since I started my relevant internship. So I'm so happy you joined me today for this episode and I'm happy that you found it interesting. Yeah, no, it was such an interesting movie. I'm really happy that we decided to watch it and do it. I'm so glad that you appreciate the film and probably, I guess, even more so appreciate the trivia and stuff behind it. <laughs> yeah, it's so interesting knowing that they were high. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> That's the trivia you take away. Yeah, that was like the main one, yeah. I'll tell you another one after we get off this live that has to do with it. Okay. Again, thank you for joining me. Until next time. Bye, everyone. Bye.
special thanks to Caitlin Fitzpatrick, Shannon McCrossan, Connor Overbay, Cola Chavuria, Sarah Escalante, and Craig Pedroza. This episode was recorded on August 17th, 2022.